Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mid Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jeff Boyle. Jackler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jackler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit, the Jackler. This I podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Savatiano seems to save her best form for the spring. She was dominant in winning Saturday's Group 2 Hot Danish Stakes at Rose Hill, and by coincidence, it was this time last year when she outclassed the opposition to win the inaugural running of the Hunter at Newcastle. Next Saturday, November the 14th, sees the second edition of the $1 million race, three-year-olds and upwards over 1,300 metres. The Hunter highlights a metropolitan class meeting on the pristine Broadmeadow track, supported by the Spring Stakes for three-year-olds and the Max Lees Classic for two-year-olds. One week later, the Illawarra Turf Club will present the second running of the Gong for three-year-olds and upwards over 1,600 metres, also offering a purse of $1 million. Two metro meetings on famous provincial tracks, the Hunter at Newcastle, the Gong at Kembla Grange, part of the new look of New South Wales racing. Kayla Nisbet is an extremely popular jockey with trainers who race under the auspices of the South East and the Southern Districts Racing Associations. She's based in Canberra, but travels to many tracks in the region where her services are keenly sought by a wide range of stables. She's the daughter of trainer and former successful jockey John Nisbet, and by her own admission was hell-bent on being a jockey from an early age. She was showing so much potential halfway through her apprenticeship to her dad that she was invited by the legendary David Hayes to join his team in Victoria in the role of provincial apprentice. Kayla rode numerous winners for Hayes and Tony McAvoy, 20 of them on metropolitan tracks. After a little more than a year in Victoria, her weight suddenly got out of hand and her opportunities diminished. She came home to Canberra and took a five-month break from racing. Despite several nasty injuries and one very serious illness, Kayla bounced back with renewed vigour and in the last couple of years has stamped herself as one of the best jockeys in the region. Her career total stands at 430 winners and at just 26 years of age, she has it all ahead of her. One trainer who shall remain nameless described Kayla to me recently as a damn good rider, a thorough professional and the nicest girl you could ever wish to meet. Kayla, I don't mean to embarrass you, but that's what he said. <laughs> I am red in the face, actually. I'm thrilled to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, that's lovely. It's always obviously nice to hear nice things about yourself, but that's a terrific compliment. Well, we're recording this on Sunday morning and it's been a good few days. You won on Bit of Faith at Gulban on Saturday. You won on Tidal Force at Albury on Friday and you won a race the other day on a well-bred one at the Sapphire Coast spring season out of a mare called Private Steer. I did. He hadn't done much um, before his win at Sapphire Coast. So he was, I think it was a $600,000 yearling and he was a beautiful big horse and he um, has breathing problems and a few things wrong with him. So he's been sold on and gone to John Marzel and he 
has him obviously on track and it was good to ride a winner for him. I hope he can turn the corner now and win a few more. Exactly right. He needs to go on with it and needs to do a bit more to probably live up to his mum's reputation, but he's uh, going well. Now, that trainer that said all the nice things about you is based in the Riverina, and that's where the trainers chase your services. There's your dad, of course, and his partner, Ron Weston. There's Mitchell Beer, there's Matt Dale, Norm Gardner, and several others. You're not short of rides, Kayla. You travel a lot, as jockeys have to do these days, but you've put a ceiling on it, haven't you? You won't go yeah. more than four hours. Well, no. I mean, I, I would if I got the right amount of rides, but I've sort of established myself in this district and I I don't really have to travel any more than four hours for the rides that I get. So mm. I'm happy with that because four hours is far enough. Yeah, you turned up at Corowa the other day for a few rides. Yeah, that's that's the furthest track that I probably go to. So there's jockeys that go a lot further than me. But as I said, I think Canberra is a really good um, base for jockeys because it's very central to a lot of tracks and as I said for the districts that I ride in um, I don't have to travel too far thankfully. Mm. What was the reaction from your dad and your mother Peter when you started making noises about becoming a jockey? Uh, They've always been very supportive. I think my dad was probably, I don't know if he was that excited because he's obviously um, was a jockey and knew the risks and understood how tough it was going to be and my mum was pretty against it at the start because she's terrified of horses, but they have both definitely been really supportive from the start, but I do think that they were probably hoping that at some stage I would just outgrow my um, drive to want to do it and find something else to do, but unfortunately for them I didn't. <laughs> mm, and you're 26 and keener than ever. Exactly right. Yeah, this is my 10th year of race riding this year, so um, I have been doing it for a while now and I'm certainly enjoying it. I should point out at this stage that you're the second eldest of six girls and the composition of the family is fascinating. Our firstborn <laughs> was Shani, then you, followed by twins Kendall and Josie, who are now 24, and then four years later, another set of twin girls arrived, Charlie and Riley, who are now 20. I'll bet your dad gave up trying to get a word in <laughs> years ago. It's, he definitely did. He, we all have run rings around him for a long time now. Mm. But um, it's always been a chaotic household and certainly growing up it was probably a nightmare for mum and dad to be surrounded by us girls 24-7. But it's mm. been lovely as we've all gotten older. We're all very close in age and um, it's, I think it's great being a part of such a big family. Mm. Now, not one of your five sisters showed the slightest interest in following in your footsteps. No. Oh, my youngest sister, she does work for Natalie and Luke Jarvis down at Maria. She mm. likes the horses, but the riding side of it didn't really interest her that much. Mm. Um, but aside from that, Shani married, obviously, a jockey and Tommy Berry. But aside from that, none of the girls really had any interest in the horses at all, to be honest. Mm. That's right. Tommy Berry is your brother-in-law. And one of your greatest fans, I read one of his tweets on Friday after you won on Tidal Force at Albury, he gave you a nice rap. He did. He's very good for that. He's probably been my biggest fan from the start. He's also the first person that will call me and blow up at me if I ride a bad race. Oh, but mm. I think that that's a, a – you probably – every jockey needs someone to um, obviously give you praise but also 
shut you down when you've done something wrong. So he's he's certainly balances that out. And you cop you cop the criticism in the right spirit. Oh well, you have to, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw a lot of your dad, Kayla, when he was apprenticed to Paul Sutherland at Rose Hill back in the nineteen eighties at a time when Sutherland had a big team and he was winning plenty of races. In fact, I remember one season when he ran third on the Sydney Trainers Premiership. Now, Paul often used your dad's claim with happy results and so did a few other Rose Hill trainers, including Brian Mayfield-Smith. I've got to say, your old man could ride a bit. Yeah, I have heard that from himself. He's told me. (laughs) (laughs) He... um, he definitely had a successful career. I think towards the end of it, he um, he struggled a bit with injuries and things like that. But he um, definitely had a good career. His claim to fame, he always tells us, is that he beat Darren Beadman in the Apprentice Premiership in Sydney, the only year that he didn't win it. So he's um, pretty proud of that and he hasn't let us forget it. He dines out on that one, does he? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he rode <laughs> out of where he ended up, and look where you ended up. <laughs> he based himself in Canberra uh, in his latter years as a jockey, and he rode a lot of winners for trainers like John Morrissey, Gary Kirkup, I recall, and Frank yeah. Cleary put him on a lot. Yes, he had a he had um, a good end to his career. I think, as I said, he established himself in Canberra, and obviously, it was a lot different back then. They only rode in at Canberra and Queanbeyan or whatever um, meetings were close like that. and But uh, he rode a lot of winners and had a good end to his career, but he had a couple of injuries close together and I think it was my mum in the end that put a bit of pressure on him to finish riding. Yeah. You know, after years of retirement, and you can explain this to me, he got a B in his bonnet and he decided on a comeback as a picnic jockey. This was six or seven years ago. He had a handful of rides at places like Bong Bong and Young and even that unique Fernhill meeting at Mulgoa near Sydney before disappearing as quickly as he came. Whatever possessed him to do that? <laughs> I think it was a conversation between Tommy, Christian Reith and Dad one day about um, – I, I don't really know where it, where it came from, to be honest, but it started off as a joke. I know that and Dad ended up saying, yeah, I would – to get my license to get and go to the picnics and then I think he was pretty half-hearted about it and they'd obviously all had a few drinks too so they weren't too serious but then Tommy <laughs> bought him a saddle and some race gear and said well you better take out your license now that you've got some gear and he did and he I think he enjoyed it for a few meetings but he got over it pretty quickly too. He yeah, didn't ride a winner did he? <laughs> no he didn't and he was obviously older and it was a bit tougher on his body and <laughs> you lose your nerve a bit I think too. <laughs> Your dad didn't train your first winner. That honour belonged to your good friend, Norm Gardner. It was a Maria Maiden exactly 10 years ago on a mare called uh, Bureaucraties. And Norm, to this day, is one of your great supporters. Yeah, he's probably actually been a trainer that has supported me consistently through my whole career. As you said, he trained my first ever winner and Still to this day, I ride track track for him and ride a lot race day for him. So he's probably outside of my dad, as I said, been the, the, my biggest supporter throughout my whole career. Mm, and I think Norm Gardner is a very underrated trainer, Kayla. If you sat down to do the mathematics, I think he'd have a pretty healthy strike rate. Definitely. His statistics, I think, are very good. He um, only ever has a small team, probably no more than 
20 usually and that's at, at the absolute most but he always gets the results and he breeds a lot of them himself and he breeds really well and mm. um, his results certainly show. Mm. Well, the day you won your first race on Bureaucraties at Maruya was a special one because you made it a double later in the day on a 12 Vitesse trained by Keith Dryden who's having a terrific run at the moment. Yeah, I did. I um, It was funny. I had a goal to ride a winner, I think, as probably most apprentices do, within my first 10, 10 race rides, which ended up being quite unrealistic because I rode my first winner at my 23rd race ride. So I obviously didn't realise how hard it was going to be. And um, I was wrapped that on my day of riding my first winner, I was able to get a double. Your best ever single race day was at the Queanbeyan Cup meeting, I think in 2012, where you rode four winners and two of them were trained by your dad. Now, Kayla, it doesn't matter where you ride four winners, Warwick or Whoop Whoop, it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a day, a day to celebrate. Definitely. I think every jockey would agree with that. It's um, obviously always good to ride a winner and a double's always great, but to ride any more than three winners is very exciting and obviously doesn't happen really often at all. But to ride a couple for... Um, my dad, too, on the day was very exciting. I think anyone with um, family in racing would agree that riding winners for your family is extra special. So for two of them to be for dad was really great. David Hayes has been sneaking horses to Riverina meetings ever since he moved to his Victorian property at Euroa, and he was still training under his own name when he sent a mare called Clearwater Bay to Wagga in February of 2013. Were you surprised when you got the call to ride Clearwater Bay? Oh, I was very surprised. Actually, I have Lizzie Jelfs to thank for that. She was working for Hayes at the time and she spoke to Nathan and said she knew that I had a bit of a claim in the country and obviously they weren't very familiar with the uh, country apprentices in New South Wales. So she asked Nathan if um, I'd be interested in riding their horse and obviously I was very excited and for it to win was massive for my career. It really um, it will. It obviously helped me go end, ending up going to David Hayes in um, Victoria, but it was a very exciting day for me, especially as an apprentice, to be in their famous colours and to ride a winner for him was super exciting. Mm. Well, you were there for one year, and during that time, you had many rides on a wide variety of tracks. Hell of an experience at that stage of your career, wasn't it? Priceless. Oh, definitely. I'd, even just working for a bigger stable, obviously I'd been apprenticed to my dad and always just ridden for my dad so I could run my own show a little bit there. So even just going to a bigger stable and seeing how they do things and um, how track work works. And as you said, I got to ride it. Um, well, I got to ride at all four metropolitan tracks while I was down there and obviously all the country mm. provincial tracks too. So it was an unbelievable experience. It was terrific for my career. I do wish I went down there with a bit more of a mature head. I think that I could have done better as an apprentice if I did, but, mm. I mean, that's that's life and I can't take that back. So, no, no. I, I, as I said, it still was a great experience and I certainly learned a lot. A member of the Hayes team back then was Calvin McAvoy who's now training in partnership with his father. Now, he must have put in a good word for you because Tony McAvoy suddenly started to throw a few rides your way. Yeah, I think um, I was really lucky how Dad handled me because in my um, apprenticeship early days, I was able to ride 80 country winners before 
going to Melbourne and then I got um, I still had a three kilo claim in the provincials there which is basically like our country so mm. I sort of went over there quite experienced and I think once I'd ridden a couple of winners um, they saw that I obviously rode a bit better than what my claim sort of suggested and mm. Tony um, gave me a few rides and I rode a few winners for him mm. while I was there. Well, one of your rides for Tony McAvoy was a mare called Pocket Rockets. You won a benchmark 90 on her at Flemington and you finished fifth in a stakes race at Mooney Valley. I think it was the Carline Stakes. Now, you were 19 at the time. If you never do it again, Kayla, the buzz of riding that winner at Flemington will stay with you forever. Oh, for sure. It's phenomenal. And it was a straight race. So it was a 1,200-metre straight race and... It was it probably to this day it's the most exciting probably the most exciting winner I've ridden and probably one of the best races I've ridden too to be honest so mm. uh, and like you said the atmosphere at Flemington and whether it's a big day or just a normal Saturday meeting is just phenomenal so mm. to be at a track with such so much history and as I said the atmosphere and then to ride a winner on top of it was just unreal. You got to ride a pretty good horse in Victoria. In fact, you tell me he's the best horse you've ever been on, Lord of the Sky, who won seven races all up. He won a couple of Group 3s and perhaps he's best known for a second beaten a nose by Chautauqua in the TJ Smith Stakes in Sydney. Now, you had four rides on Lord of the Sky for two wins at Caulfield, a second at Flemington and a fourth at Mooney Valley. Great memories. Yeah, he, he's definitely the best horse I've ridden. He, um, I was really lucky. I actually had a bit of luck for Robbie Lang at the time too and I rode it, um, I think I rode him the, my first race on him was at Caulfield and he declared him to me. He said he's a very fast horse. You just jump and let him run and he was one of the fastest horses I've ridden out the gates and he just kept going and we knew he's a pretty good horse from that and Obviously, he went on to do much better things. And I actually, I, I missed a ride on him. I was meant to ride him at Caulfield one day too, and I got stuck in traffic. So oh. I have I have bad memories of him as well, but mostly good. It was great to be on a um, horse with a motor like him. Towards the end of your 12 months at Lindsay Park, your weight suddenly became very unstable. And despite a busy schedule, you couldn't keep it under control. Do you have any idea why that happened? No, I did. I actually went um, on a holiday in Bali and it was the first time I'd really let my body go and I'd gotten – I came back from my holiday sitting at around 56, which was really heavy for me because I usually walked around about 52. Mm-hmm. And from there I just started wasting and struggling with my weight and I just really ended up fighting a losing battle in the end. It was a constant um, fight to try and – get my weight down and then I'd have a meal or drink after the races and go back up. And then obviously, as you know, in Victoria, there's racing every day. So you don't really get a couple of days off to really get back under control and sort yourself out. So I was just, as I said, fighting an uphill battle and it got to the point where I was a bit out of control. Yeah. Now, as if you didn't have enough problems with the weight, you also had two nasty injuries in track work accidents during that year with David Hayes. You got a broken foot and a broken wrist. In which order did that happen? I had my broken foot first and then I was back um, for about four weeks, I think, and then I broke my wrist. Mm. 
Imagine what you said. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't very happy about it. I I was feeling pretty sorry for myself. Mm. Well, the riding opportunities dropped off, and you felt the need for a change. So you accepted an offer from Kieran Marr, who was on his own at that time, to ride work for him with the guarantee of some race rides. That didn't last long, though, Kayla. No, I was really struggling at the time. As I said, I'm the first person to admit that I was riding pretty badly and my weight was just out of control. And I knew that, um, well, I felt that being in Euroa wasn't helping me. I felt that if I was seen riding track work by other trainers, that it might be not a better opportunity to get more race day rides. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't accept the offer. I kind of begged Kieran to take me on and thankfully he did. But um, it didn't really help me. My weight was still really heavy. And so I ended up taking a break from race riding and just riding track boat for him for a few months. Right. And then very disillusioned in the end, you packed up and you went home to mum and dad and you turned your back on racing for quite a while, five months in fact. The best thing you could have done in hindsight. Yeah, definitely. I think probably every jockey hits that point at some stage in their career where they feel like they just need a break and it's obviously a very tiring and consuming job and especially when you're wasting and um, struggling with your weight on top of that. So I think for me, especially when I wasn't getting the race rides to back it up, it was just I really wasn't enjoying it. I had a really bitter taste in my mouth about racing. I wasn't even looking forward to getting any rides because I knew I was going to have to waste and sweat for them and I um, definitely just needed the break. So I came back home to Canberra and I decided that I was going to quit and I didn't want to come back riding. Well, I didn't have any intentions of coming back riding at all, but with the five months off and I was able to get my weight back down um, comfortably and um, doing it properly, so it sort of stabilised back light again and I had Ronnie Weston, who's now um, in a partnership with my dad, he was sort of in my ear telling me that I had to make a decision if I was going to be a jockey or if I was going to choose a career doing something else. So I decided to come back riding and Mm. I haven't looked back since. So Ronnie Weston gave you a little pep talk. Yeah, it was more of a lecture. (laughs) He (laughs) gave me a real lecture on that that I was fiddling with my life and Mm. um, people that fiddle aren't successful and and I didn't like hearing it at the time, but I'm thankful for it now. Of course. Kayla, just stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with you after this. Entries are now open for the 2021 English Select Yearling Sales Series. The series will again comprise five sales. Classic, Premier, Easter, Gold and the Hunter Thoroughbred Breeders Association May Yearling Sale to be held at Riverside in Sydney and Oaklands Junction in Melbourne. Each of the three primary sales, Classic, Premier and Easter, will retain their regular places on the sales calendar. Following its success this year, the Scone sales will be moved permanently to Riverside on May 2nd and May 3rd and will be rebranded the HTBA Yearling Sale. The Gull Sale in Melbourne will be held on May 16th. To discuss the placement of your yearlings, contact a member of the English Bloodstock team. Well, they say bad luck comes in threes. You got back in the saddle, the winners started to flow again, and then old lady luck turned her back. A horse called Zaritzi reared over with you one day in the mounting yard at Gundagai, 
and you knew you were in trouble again. Broken tibia, left leg. How long were you out this time? I ended up being out for about four months. I, um, yeah, it was a pretty bad. I had three fractures in my legs, so it took a little while. They had to operate, but a couple of them they couldn't operate on, and so it took me a little while to get back and going. But um, once I did get back and going, I wasn't back for very long, and I ended up with uh, getting diagnosed with epilepsy. So oh, I did gee. have a bit of a run of bad luck for a little while there. Well, this is an amazing story. You were planning a little holiday in Hawaii and you decided to go shopping for a few things before departure. I think your mum was with you and an auntie may have been with you too. You suddenly started to feel lightheaded in the shopping centre. What did you do? Um, I just went to turn around to go and sit down. I said to mum, I have to sit down and have a drink of water. I'm really lightheaded and um, I don't remember anything after that, but my mum said that as soon as I turned to walk away, I just collapsed and I was fitting before I hit the ground. So it's not too scary for me because I didn't remember any of it, but it was pretty traumatising for her and my sister who were there at the time. Mm, oh, your sister, not an auntie. Yep. Now, Kayla, you had several tests, of course, and you consulted neurosurgeons over the next few weeks and they all agreed it was epilepsy. There was no doubt about it. They linked it to a car accident you were involved in when you were only four years old? Yeah, I had a car accident at four um, and I fractured my skull and I was pretty lucky. They called me the miracle baby of the month at the time, Mum said, because I was pretty lucky to come out of it okay. And we thought that I'd come out of it pretty well unscathed um, for the rest of my life, but then obviously I had an epilepsy and they, the neuro, uh, sorry, I had a seizure and they diagnosed me with epilepsy. And mm. the neurologist said that it's quite common for epilepsy to come out in young women early in their 20s after head trauma early in the, earlier in their life. So mm. it was all pretty shocking to me and certainly not something I ever expected. Mm. Not to mention your workload at the time. You'd really been burning the candle at both ends. In fact, you'd ridden on 12 consecutive days and travelled a million miles. Yeah, that was the problem. In the end, the um, neurologist ended up saying that they probably brought my triggers down to fatigue and that that's what um, obviously triggered my seizures. So that's something that I have to manage now. And Unfortunately, as you know, jockeys, we do have to work very hard and you have to travel a lot, Travel a lot, and especially as an apprentice, um, you sort of have to work even harder than a senior jockey. So mm. that really took its toll, obviously, on my body and triggered a seizure. Mm. Now, was there any reluctance from the authorities regarding your return to race riding? Uh, yes. Initially, um, when I spoke to a few people from Racing New South Wales, they said to me, before I found out I was, it actually was epilepsy, they said to me, if it is epilepsy, you won't be able to come back, right? Mm. So I was pretty horrified by that and pretty scared too because, as I said, I always thought that I'd end my career sort of on your own terms, as every jockey probably does. So to have it just taken away from me when I'd just finally gotten back into the swing of things and I felt I was riding well, it was pretty devastating to me, but um, thankfully they ended up saying that there was a couple of other jockeys that actually do have epilepsy, and as long as I followed the right protocols, I was able to come back. Mm. Kyle, and you've been on treatment ever since, of course, but uh, that won't necessarily be forever, will it? No. Well, if I go five years um, seizure-free, I'll be able to wean, be weaned off it, so mm. 
that's good. It's obviously not something that I have to be on for forever as long as everything stays running smoothly. But, I mean, it's not the ends of the world for me now anyway. If I if that stops seizures, me being on medication every day, then I can live with that. Of course. Well, let's whip through a few special horses who've helped to keep your name up in lights. You love Irish songs, trained by Kurt Goldman. You've had four rides for three wins on Irish songs, including, and probably your most important win so far, the Wagga Town Plate. Yeah, definitely. That's obviously a very prestigious race in our area and in the country. And so I was probably lucky it was COVID times, to be honest, because the jockeys, uh, the Sydney jockeys couldn't travel up. So I was able to retain the ride on him. And to win that was really exciting, especially for Kirk, because he's been a pretty big supporter of mine too. So mm-hmm. he's definitely been a special horse to me and riding in the, him in the Snake Gully Cup this year too. So it'd be nice if we could get another country cup. He brought Irish songs to Rose Hill the other day. You came down to ride him and it, I thought the run was more than tidy. Ran about fifth, I think. Worked home well. Yeah, I was really pleased with his run. As I said, going to go head towards a Snake Gully Cup, I thought it was a really nice um, final run into it. So I think it'll be very hard to beat there. You got to ride a handy horse in Victoria for David Hayes by the name of Pago Rock. He finished up winning about 600,000 career. You won on him at Flemington and at Caulfield and you got to ride him in the Group 1 Goodwood Handicap in Adelaide, your only Group 1 ride so far. He finished back a bit, but a great thrill for you. Yeah, it was. He was a really lovely, honest old um, gelding and I'd obviously ridden a couple of winners on him and my final winner at Caulfield... um, that I won on him, he was going to the Goodwood the next start. And so I certainly didn't expect to retain the race ride, but when um, they called me up and said that I got to keep, I got to ride him in it, I was so excited and thankful. And my parents came down to Adelaide to watch and it was a race that I was so excited to be a part of, especially as an apprentice. So I'll certainly forever be thankful that they kept me on him for that. Sausage has been a good mare for you. Four wins, one at Maruya, one at Wagga, and two at Canberra. She's not long back from a spell. You look like retaining the ride. Um, I don't know. She's been going to town quite a bit. She's obviously got quite a high rating now, so probably not, but Maddie's always been good to me on her when she's come back to the country, so mm. who knows, maybe. As you said, my record's been quite good on her, so we'll see. Mm. You won 20 races on Metropolitan Tracks during your year in Victoria. That was a good score. Yeah, it was, and... Um, I rode winners at all four metropolitan tracks in Victoria, so that's something that I'm pretty happy to have next to my um, name now. Obviously, I probably won't be going back there to ride, so I'm glad that I've done it, and as I said, it's a great thing to have next to my name. You won five races on a mare called Glad You Called for your dad and Ron Weston. She was handy. She was a handy mare. She sort of reached her mark and... Um, was running enlisted races and wasn't quite up to it, but she was a really handy mare around our area. Uh, and it, she was pretty special to us. I got to ride her in a listed race at Canberra and obviously being for my dad was extra special. So mm. she was certainly a nice mare to us. Another astute Melbourne trainer who appreciated your talents was John Sadler. He put you on a mare called Vane Queen one day to win at Mooney Valley and she bolted in. 
She did bolt in. She ended up being a really nice mare, actually. She went on to win a few more races, I think. But John was pretty good to me in my time that I was down there. And he's obviously, like you said, a very astute trainer. So to ride the winner for him on a nice mare was um, exciting. A mare called Romance Can Costa was very good for you. In one sequence a couple of years ago, you won four from five, including one in town at Canterbury for Aaron Clark, who trains his horses at Braidwood. Yeah, obviously coming out of my apprenticeship, it's pretty hard to, for me to get rides in town. So I had had a bit of luck on her, her and when she went to town, I didn't expect to keep the ride on her, but he was very loyal to me and obviously me and that horse had built up a good relationship together and when we went up there and I was able to ride a winner in town as a senior, um, was really good. So she certainly was a special horse to me too. We mentioned earlier that you've had wonderful support from many trainers in your region, but you've had unwavering support from a special few. Maddie Dale, John Nisbet, of course, and Ron Weston, Norm Gardner, Mitchell Beer, for whom you won a city race at Canterbury with Gwyneth. Now, speaking of Mitchell Beer, and you might be able to throw some light on this, I saw you win a Class 1 race for Mitchell Beer back in September at Wagga on a horse called Packer's Bond. He was having only his third start. He came from last in a pretty big field and blew him away. He's a four-year-old by Dundeal and I hope there's nothing wrong with him because we haven't seen him since. Yeah, no, I really like him. I've got a lot of time for that horse actually and I think he's going to be very exciting um, when he comes back, he's obviously a genuine stayer, which is um, hard to find in our area, but there's nothing wrong with him. It was always their plan to turn him out after that race at Wagga, and I'd set him a bit of a task that day, so I think he probably needed a bit of a break, but he's definitely <laughs> going to come back and be an exciting horse, and I certainly think he'll be up to staying races in town. Oh, gosh, that was a win and a half that day. Amazing. It was. You must have written him off on the turn. I did. As I said, I said him, it's a bit tricky from awkward gates with horses that don't show a lot of speed, but um, I decided, had set him a bit of a task, but he um, had a great turn of foot. And as I said, for stayers, especially country stayers, to show a turn of foot um, is makes him a bit of an exciting horse. So I think that he's going to come back and certainly go on to nicer races. Yep, and his name again is Packers Bond. You speak very highly, Kayla, of a Gundagai trainer called Kerry Weir. You've ridden for him many times and you're always happy to ride his horses. Yeah, definitely. I think I was saying to you that he's just it's really nice riding for trainers that um, know their horses well, understand form, are realistic about how races were run and are going to be run, sorry, and can put it all together. And he's definitely one of the few trainers that can do all of that. Um, and watch the races and, as I said, understand how things pan out and why things pan out and not get angry. So to ride for trainers like that is always really lovely and he's certainly a trainer you, I wish to see have a lot more success because he certainly deserves it. You've always had a great regard for Cathy O'Hara, who's riding better than ever right at the moment, and there are three jockeys in your region for whom you have great regard, Matthew Carl. Blake McDougall and Nick Hayward, who was injured on Friday at Albury. Hope he's okay. 
Yeah, definitely. I think every um, female rider probably, especially starting out, looks up to Kathy in our area. She's obviously a great jockey. She's been around for a long time. And she's um, certainly someone that will sit in the jockey's room and help you if you ask for it. So to have her about and to look up to her when I was younger and now be riding against her is great. And she's certainly a bit of a friend now too. So, And we, as, a, as you said, we've got a few other really good jockeys in our area like Blake and Nick and Maddie Carl and yeah, hope, thankfully Nikki is okay. He escaped that fall quite well, actually. But we've um, got a good bunch of jockeys at the moment, I think, down here and jockeys that probably deserve more opportunities than what they get. Mm. In your spare time recently, which is fairly minimal, you've been doing something that jockeys <laughs> never do. You've been house painting. Yeah, we probably shouldn't ever do it either. It's a really terrible job and very time consuming. I wish I had paid someone to do it instead, but <laughs> this yeah. is what I'm stuck with at the moment. And you've still got a couple of bedrooms to go. I do, unfortunately. It's really been a drawn-out um, task for me. I expected to get it all done quite quickly, but as you know, it ends up quite monotonous and it um, it's been definitely prolonged. I can only think of one word for painting. Thankless. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Well, Kayla, you got on top of a couple of flat spots and you've handled the frustration of injury better than most. Your weight's in check, you're very focused, but most importantly, you love what you're doing. So it sounds like the perfect recipe for success. I hope so. I certainly do enjoy it and I think I'm in a really good place at the moment where, like you said, my weight's really good and I am enjoying it. And I think that's really important in our job is that you do have to keep enjoying it because it's too tough to not enjoy going to work every day. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's been a delight. Thanks, John. Kayla Nisbet on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. 